Hey, hey, my sweet friend. I'm so glad you decided to join me for yet another episode of Java with Jen. I'm excited for this week's podcast episode because picture it, I'm sitting here in the driver's seat of my car with the little tiny overhead reading light on. The engine is running low key. I'm outside of my hotel in Tyler, Texas because we have evacuated for Hurricane Laura. So I'm recording this in the midst of waiting to find out what kind of uh, condition our home and our area will be in when we return. And so I thought it was a perfect time to reflect on the lessons I learned when we survived Hurricane Harvey. We lost our home and all of our belongings in that hurricane, yet it was one of the sweetest times of our life. And the Lord really, as I reflected and processed and walked through all of that, the Lord gave me a number of lessons and principles that I walked away with that have guided me through other challenging situations. So I wanted to share those principles with you because Seriously, as I look back on that season of life, I have sweet feelings because of how much God did and the things he equipped us with to walk through it. So stay tuned and invite a friend to listen to this episode, especially if they also have evacuated for Laura or if you know they're going through something difficult and they need some principles to hang on to because these are principles that will help you in any difficult situation. And trust me, they are very practical and applicable. So we're going to dive in. This is going to be fun. Let's now roll it for this week's Java with Jen episode. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. All right, so anytime that we're in life and we start to feel unstable, let's say uh, you're in an elevator and it skips a beat and it kind of falls a bit or let's say you're walking down a subway and it's jostling all over the place or you're in a boat and it's tossing to and fro the first thing that we do is what we like reach out and grab something something that feels stable that can help us keep our footing right we don't want to fall over okay well we do the same thing in life and we don't even realize it because it's very subconscious but when we go through difficult things the first thing we do is we reach out and grab something that feels stable. Sometimes what we reach out for is healthy. Companionship, friendship, people that we know are going to give us good advice, um, healthy habits that help us like de-stress, like journaling. Sometimes we reach out and grab things that are familiar that are not good for us, like um, complaining, uh, fearful thinking that kind of spirals into negativity, um, drinking, just familiar old habits that maybe uh, were addictions we broke, or I don't know, sometimes we just, we just reach out for whatever feels most familiar and most secure, and that's usually what we grab for when life feels uncertain. Well, the principles I'm going to share with you today, I want those to be able to serve as, as anchors and things that you can apply in those difficult situations when we're trying to stabilize ourselves, especially the last one that I'm going to share with you. It was really my foundational principle that carried me through all these, uh, with kind of all these other ones built on top of it. 
but I'm saving it for last because it's so deep and rich. I want to really give it the time that it deserves. So um, one of the first things that we need that we can train ourselves to grab for, which I think is somewhat instinctive for us, is a sense of community. People. We want, you know that phrase, misery loves company. When we're walking through difficulty, the first thing we want is we actually want people around us. Maybe not 24 hours a day, but we want people. Companionship actually soothes an ache. Being seen, feeling heard, um, feeling like someone gets where we're at, that in itself actually really soothes the human soul. And so that's one of the first things that we reach out for. Sometimes the people we reach out for are are healthy influence and sometimes they're not. But here's some some thoughts with that that I want to um, offer to you so that we can kind of keep our eyes on on what's healthy. Community, when we're with people, like when you have face-to-face connection with people um, and you feel seen and heard and valued, it actually lights up your brain in a way that causes you to be super resourceful, super um, problem solving, and it actually is a nutrient that helps um, your brain develop and grow, especially children. Um, there is, in 1 Corinthians twelve seven, uh, it says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So another reason I think we reach for people is because inherently, intuitively, we understand that the person next to us may have something that will enrich my life at this time. Can that be selfish? Sure. Is it inherently selfish? No, because that's just how God wired us, is that we need each other, and reaching out for one another when things are unstable is actually a really a great way to respond, because that's why God gave us people in the first place. Um, another passage is Galatians 4.16. It says... Uh, it says, have I now become your enemy? Because, whoa, that was definitely the wrong scripture. I'm <laughs> sorry, that was the wrong passage. Um, I don't really know where this one is found, but I wrote down where the whole body grows as everyone contributes building itself up in love. We're going to pretend I gave you the right address for that one. But you guys have heard the passages, especially in Corinthians, where it talks about how the whole body is fitted together and grows and everyone contributes And as we each contribute our part, the whole body can actually grow in love, which means we actually grow in richness. We grow in health, right? And so in Jude 1.20, it also says, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I love, it's saying, build each other up in your most holy faith. There can be a tendency to surround ourselves with people who just stroke the fear and anxiety that we're already feeling. Um, I would encourage you that in times that are difficult, reach out for those people that are going to build you up in your most holy faith, meaning they're going to strengthen your heart to believe for the best. They're going to strengthen your soul to be reminded that God is in your corner. Um, They're probably your friends who actually know the word and um, are going to share scripture with you or pray with you or just remind you of ways you overcame in the past. People that will build you up in your faith. So 
a simple application of this whenever, or this, a way that I saw this in my experience with Hurricane Harvey uh, was I had evacuated when I knew the the storm was coming. I called a couple of friends, was like, hey, are you guys leaving? I want to make sure you know about the storm. And um, they all decided, yeah, we need to get out of here. So um, two friends of mine and their children, we all evacuated to the same hotel in Tyler. And for the first like four days that we were gone, one of my friends was there and then she ended up going up further to Dallas to be with family. And so my second friend stayed with me for, I think she was there another three days or, or maybe four until it was clear enough that she could actually return home. And so at first I was like, I mean, I'm pretty brave. I'm kind of an adventurer. I love change. I love exploring. I love getting out in the world and, and I'll just bring my kids with me. Like I'm really not a scaredy cat. Um, and, and so I thought it would be no big deal her leaving. I'm like, Oh yeah, I've taken the kids places before. We'll be fine. Um, well by this point I had learned that my house was underwater. And so I was kind of had been processing at night with the Lord about the house, you know, and, and I felt pretty good. I felt pretty comfortable. Well, I didn't realize that having those girls there with me gave me something to focus on and gave me something to be distracted with. Uh, my one friend, it was one of her first hurricanes. And so I was able to put all my energy into making sure she was comfortable, making sure she wasn't scared, making sure that, you know, her kids were younger than mine. So making sure she had help with the kids. And I didn't realize how much that that kept me distracted from my own anxiety and fear. So as she left, I knew I was going to be gone for a while and I didn't know when it would be safe for me to head home to my house. And so she left in that afternoon, I think she left around two o'clock and I went back to the hotel with the boys and I started to feel this panic, like rising in my, like, like panic, almost like a panic attack. Like I started having a hard time breathing and it was like, okay, this is not like me. Like Jen, put your girl, big girl britches on. You can handle this. You're all right. And I just, I started to just sit and I was like, boys, I need to go be with the Lord. So I just went and sat with the Lord and I was like, God, I'm really realizing how scared I am and how overwhelmed I am. And I don't, I don't know what to do. And, and now everybody's gone and my husband's not here and it's just me and the boys and, and there's craziness happening at home. Who am I going to talk to? And suddenly I had to face down with the reality of things at home. I wasn't distracted. And so wouldn't you know, as I was sitting in my, in my bed and I was processing my panic and I could have made it, I could have totally survived. Um, a friend texted me and she goes, Hey, look where I am. And she sent me her location and the hotel that her husband's work had put them in was literally 200 feet from my hotel. It was on the other side of the road. And she said, yeah, we're going to be here for the next week. And I just saw so much kindness of the Lord in that moment. My heart immediately soothed. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to be alone. And it was like, it shocked me what a difference it made about how I felt about everything that I was going to have to go home to. And it's crazy because them being there did not change the reality of what I was going to go home to. All it did was offer me companionship, someone to talk to, someone to laugh with. 
and and someone to maybe process with and you know what they stayed there the whole time I was there and I think I even headed back like a day before them and I just saw in that moment the Lord saw me you know he knew how hard it was for me when my when my first friend left and then when my second friend left and the panic I was having to work through and I could have I could have pulled myself together I've worked through difficult emotions before but the Lord in his extra generous kindness arranged the details so that not just my best friend landed right under my nose, but it was actually one of her kid was my one of my son's best friends too. So even his best buddy was there to, to be with him in that time when we were processing having lost our home. And so that was such an eye opener to me of just the soothing um, support that a companion can be. So application being if you're in a time or you know someone who's in a difficult time, don't underestimate the power of just being present with that person. Just being present, just being close, just being letting your presence offer strength and comfort to them. Your presence can can do a lot for somebody to bring peace and if you're going through a difficult time and you keep for some reason telling yourself you have to do it alone, don't believe that lie. Like you don't have to do this alone. And does that mean you process every single thought and every single emotion with the same few people? No, like spend time processing with the Lord. Like you need to work out a lot of the junk privately and personally because you also don't want to wear out your friends, but God puts people around us and I I believe he gives them a grace to walk with us through our things because we all want to to offer strength to our friends. And so the first principle would be don't underestimate the power of community. Okay, now picture picture this, this is kind of how you can remember these five these five principles. Picture a person, okay? And these five principles Um, are at the feet of the person and then the hands of the person, the heart, the mouth, and then the eyes. So they all correlate with these different principles. So community walking with others correlates with your feet. So when you want to remember these five principles, start with the feet, community, walk with others, okay? Walk with others in difficult times. Okay, the second one, which would be the hands, would be let people help you. Because this helps them too. Now, if you're like a doer and an achiever and like an I can get it done person, oh my gosh, if you're like me, it can actually be really difficult to let people help you because it almost feels like a, a failure of, of handling your responsibilities or or maybe a weakness or something. And when we, when we lost our home and lost everything, um, I mean, I remember my son coming to me at the hotel um a friend he had evacuated with my sister-in-law who was in Louisiana and because he'd stayed back with my husband and so he sent he sent my son on with my sister-in-law and then so her friend there was coming my way to fly out of the state and so she came and brought Judah to me and when Judah got out of the car he had nasty rubber boots on a dirty t-shirt basketball shorts because of course he had been running from a storm in these clothes a little backpack with his Kindle and that was it. And I told him, go get your things, buddy. And he said, this is all my things. And I said, 
what do you mean you didn't pack up to leave and he said well dad said we were just leaving the house I thought we were just leaving for the day so he didn't understand the gravity of the situation and I I had to keep myself composed because as I looked at him it struck me like a wall that what I was looking at and what my son had in his hands was literally all his belongings in the world dirty t-shirt basketball shorts rubber boots that were hurting his feet and his little kindle he was a hot mess and I realized he didn't have anything he didn't even have a bag to hold his belongings in he didn't have a duffel bag or real shoes or anything and so when I realized that I was like oh god and so people would ask us how can we help you how can we help you and I wrestled with that because a it was overwhelming because we needed so much I didn't even know where to start Um, so I'll, I'll give you some pointers on that but it was also humbling a little embarrassing um but yet at the same time I was so desperately grateful for anyone who was was moved to help us because we legit needed help. You know what I mean? And um, and so when people offer to help, something I didn't realize is that people can experience what is called secondhand trauma. And and I didn't realize this till I listened to people process after the storm and people who did not flood still shared how they were traumatized watching people that they loved, people that they knew, lose everything, and how they as a friend felt powerless and helpless when it came to alleviating their pain. And and so I looked up if if secondhand trauma is real, and it actually is a real thing. Um, Some people can call it survivor's guilt, uh, but it's actually more literally called secondhand trauma. And it's basically, it's a second, secondary traumatic stress that happens when someone hears about someone else's firsthand trauma experience. And because we as humans, we are wired with a sense of empathy, which is my ability to feel for what you're experiencing. So empathy enables us to see from another's perspective to sympathize with their emotions and oftentimes it compels us to take action to relieve another person's suffering. So here's here's how allowing people to help can help them. When people are trying to cope with their own secondhand trauma, what alleviates their sense of stress is that they can help you. That helps alleviate their stress. So my mom, for example, this is how I, I also learned this. My mom had offered a number of times, hey, can I send you money this? Can I send you money for this? Is there anything I can do? And at first I kept saying, no, no, right now, right now we're just waiting to see how things go. We don't really know. And I just kind of kept pushing her off instead of giving her a specific way that she could help. And I found out later that it, it, it hurt her and frustrated her to tears because she wanted so desperately, she was hurting for me and wanted so bad to feel like she could help alleviate that pain both for me and for her. And so there came a point when she did finally just interject herself and, and the way she applied herself really was helpful. And I didn't realize till later that, that when I was making it more difficult for people to help me, 
that I was actually adding to their stress because they were having a very real stress experience watching me suffer. And and again, I wasn't broadcasting suffering. I wasn't getting on social media like wah, wah, wah. In fact, when I would get on social media, it was to point to the beautiful things God was doing on our behalf. Um, I, I really made the point to keep it positive, And a lot of people shared that they were so moved by that. Um, so I wasn't getting on broadcasting a sob story. But because people knew us and loved us just from that place, they wanted desperately to help. So the second thing, the second principle I want to point you to is that when you're going through something hard, if people offer to help you and people want to help you, allow them to help you because they may be trying to help offset not just your stress, but also their secondhand stress that they're experiencing watching you suffer they don't want you to suffer and and they and they hurt to see you hurt right and so there's a passage in the bible that says that those who refresh others will be refreshed it's in proverbs 11:25 that says generous persons will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed people who are generous end up prospering not just in life but also in their soul when someone wants to be generous with you, they're doing that biologically in an effort to allow their soul to continue to prosper as well. And it's wonderful. God made us this way. And so I had to realize like, you know, people will sometimes say, hey, don't steal my blessing by not letting me share with you. It's true. People receive a blessing when they share and they're generous because A, God honors their generosity and blesses them in return, but because emotionally it alleviates um, that that stress sensory experience for them and it, it causes them to, to have more peace knowing that they helped you to have more peace. Does this make sense? And so most people who experience that secondary trauma will seek out a way to help alleviate someone's suffering and it really helps them cope with the emotional trauma they're experiencing. Galatians 6 2 says share in each other's burdens and in this way you're obeying the law of Christ. So when people seek to help you and people offer to help you understand they're not just helping you they're not just helping themselves but they're also obeying the law of Christ, which is to lay down our lives for one another. So there's three reasons right there to allow people to help you. So practically, what you can do, in my situation, we lost everything. I know most people's hardships won't necessarily mean it's, it's everything is lost. But when people would ask, what do you need? I literally didn't know where to start. So I had to I had to figure out an answer <laughs> for for people so that they weren't then overwhelmed with my need. And so breaking it down in bite-sized options. So maybe make a list of everything that you can think of that you need or at least that you need up front. And break those down into three categories, like low-dollar items, like things that are maybe 25 bucks and under. Um, higher dollar items, which might be between 25 and $100. And then like mid, mid, mid range. And then anything over $100 put on the high dollar item list. And so you've got three lists. If people ask what they can help with, pick something from each of those lists. Since we don't know what people's, you know, budget is or whatever. By, by giving them options in each of those categories, 
you give them options that can comfortably fit whatever they're able to do. And so that's one simple way um, that you can do that. One thing I also started doing is just telling people, like, you know what? The, the thing that's been the biggest blessing to me is when people have sent gift cards because it gives us the flexibility to wait and see what needs we have that come to the surface first. And, and then we can just go purchase that item and it has been the most helpful thing and so a lot of people would do gift cards um some people the lord just put on their heart something and they it was like they just read right into our situation and knew exactly what we needed it was great i had friends even from high school who sent me starbucks gift cards and as frivolous as that sounds i'm telling you those starbucks trips they kept my sanity while I was dealing with such high level stress during our evacuation. I was so grateful for those Starbucks gift cards. Um, I had friends send me Walmart gift cards. I had friends send me, you know, stuff for Lowe's. And, um, I mean, we had one set of pastors in another state that heard about our situation and they wanted to know how they could help and they wanted to get beds for all my boys. So they purchased bunk beds from Walmart and mattresses and had them shipped to where we were. And that was perfect. I hadn't even thought about it till we got into our temporary housing and we slept there the first night and I realized my boys didn't even have beds to sleep in. And I was like, oh my gosh. And that's about when I got the message that they had bought us beds. So it was just when people want to get involved and people want to help, they're moving oftentimes by the, by the hand of the Lord. The Lord is using people to meet those needs. So don't be too embarrassed. Don't be shy. Don't feel like you're inconveniencing people. Allow people to help. Graciously thank them and write thank you notes. Show your gratitude. Write thank you notes and tell them how much their generosity meant to you because you're also, again, alleviating their secondhand trauma by allowing them to feel the blessing of being a blessing to you. So um, that would be the second principle. So that that is the hand. So when you're picturing these five principles on the human little person, like a little stick figure or whatever, the feet is community, walk with people through challenges. The next is be the hands, which is let people help you because when they help you, they're helping themselves as well, alleviating that secondhand trauma. Um, the third would be the heart, okay? This comes from the heart. Even in hardship, there's always a way to be a blessing, okay? So now listen and hear me out. This is not a command. This is a, like, this, um, this is not meant to come across as like, if you're not this way, you're not godly. I'm saying this um, mentality when I went through hardship, this mentality preserved my heart in a lot of ways. When we lost everything, so the third one is, there's always a way to be a blessing and continue to be a source of blessing even when you experience loss. So when we lost everything, I think for me part of the trauma of losing everything is feeling like you have nothing to offer the world because you have nothing in your hands. And when I found out we lost literally everything, but so had so many people in our community, I was immediately not just overwhelmed by my own sense of starting over, 
but I was overwhelmed with a desire to help my community and I didn't know how to because I felt like my hands were tied in so many ways. So I just went to prayer and I said, Lord, I refuse to be a place of need only. I refuse to feel like I am a beggar. I refuse to feel like I am in poverty because of this. I am your daughter and you have called me to be the head and not the tail. And so I ask that you would continue to give me ways to be a blessing and a place of resource, even though we're dealing with this kind of loss. Put someone on my heart that even if it's small, God, I want to still be able to be a blessing and be a resource. And so there was this family who I had known her kind of briefly from church. And um, she kind of jumped out at me on social media. I saw some of her posts and realizing she was having an even harder time than me. They had lost everything, but she had some challenges in her family that meant she was carrying the whole load herself. And I just thought, man, I can't imagine being in her shoes. Like at least in my situation, I have a husband who is going to be able to, you know, help with these challenges and stuff. And, and this person, some of the challenge she was facing, she was, she was carrying the brunt of the experience. She, her, she had a husband, but he had health issues and, and her children had some health issues. And so, um, when I saw her posting and I saw just the struggle she was experiencing, I just knew I was like, okay, Lord, that's who I want to help. And so I said, well, now, Lord, I need you to give me ways to help. Show me how to help. And um, so one of the first things that came along was um, someone gave me $1,000 for our family, which was amazing. I, I was able to start getting replacing some of the boys' clothes with it. But I just decided I tithed on it, and then I, I prayed, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to give her um, a chunk of that. And so... I sent her some money. I think maybe she'd started a GoFundMe or someone started it for her. And so I was one of the first people people that was able to donate on there. And it was so satisfying to me to be able to do that. And wouldn't you know, when I sent money to her, um, the next day, someone gave me tenfold what I had given to her. And so it was like, even though I gave to her, out of the little bit of abundance that I had, the Lord saw that seed and then he multiplied it back to me. And I was like, whoa, what the heck? And so um, there was a couple more instances where I gave little, little, little but generous amounts of money to a couple of other friends who were in similar situations as me. And I was able to bless them. And it was such a great feeling that even though I was trusting the Lord for our provision, I still was able to be generous with people proportionately speaking to what my experience was, you know, like I didn't give all my money away, but with what I had in my hands, I was able to still be generous. And, um, it, it was so refreshing and it was so encouraging to me because it just kept reminding me that's right. God has me. I'm in the hands of a God who's going to take care of me. I do not need to surrender my heart to fear or to anxiousness or to lack, but instead I can stay in this place of um, riding on top of the storm because of who 
I trust and who has my back. And so that generosity wasn't just about money. It wasn't just about, I want to feel better because I can share. It literally kept me in a mentality that kept me out of fear, panic, desperation, overwhelm, and trauma. Like it kept me out of that trauma territory. And so being generous literally does something inside of your heart and inside of your mind that protects you from those desperate places of emotion that can cause you to be more traumatized by your experience. I hope that makes sense. Um, I want to share a little, a little story in scripture where we see an example of this, of how God took care of um, a widow, even even though she wasn't able to give much, it was, she, she had nothing basically. And she was able to give even though she had nothing. So this is in first Corinthians 17, eight through 15. And this is, um, Elijah, the prophet. And the Lord says to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, mind you, Elijah doesn't know that this widow is literally about to die because she has nothing. So he's going and he's going to be hosted by someone who thinks she's going to die. Uh, he said, so he went to Zarephath and as he arrived at the gates, he saw a widow gathering sticks. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil. And in the bottom of the jug, I was just going to gather a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die of starvation. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. See guys, don't be afraid in order to fight off fear you've got to be generous he said go ahead and do just what you've said but make a little bread for me first that's a type and shadow of the tithe right giving first and honoring the lord and trusting him with it he said then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and for your son for this is what the lord of god of israel says there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rains and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days after that. So this widow had nothing. She was literally staring down at her last meal and they were going to starve to death. And the prophet comes along. And isn't it interesting? God didn't just come along to feed the need. He fed a spirit of generosity in her first. And then her generosity, the Lord honored with abundance. God doesn't just feed our need. He feeds, he feeds our identity as sons. He feeds a spirit of generosity in us because God needed to shift her mindset out of survival. She had to get out of survival. And the only way to get out of survival ironically is to be generous because it puts you in a prosperous mentality so even when you have next to nothing just like this widow ask God God where can I be a place of resource where can I be a blessing even if all I have to give is a piece of bread where can I be a place of blessing and by being a place of blessing you do two things not only 
do you shift your mentality into a prosperous place out of survival and fear? Because remember he said, don't be afraid. He commanded her, don't be afraid. God cannot work inside of a fear-based mentality. He has to work. He, he, he needs you to be in a prosperous, abundant mentality. One that sees God as your source if he's going to pull you out of your situation, right? And so he said, don't be afraid. And then, he, and then he not only shifted her mentality, but he was able to bless what she sowed to the prophet, right? When we give to people, we're giving seed. The Bible says God gives seed to the sower, right? When he, he gives us seed to sow so that he can grow what we've sown, right? God wants to bless us, but sometimes we have to sow some seed in the ground first. Okay, so as children of God, even though our need is great at times, we will still always have opportunity to serve someone, to serve the body with something, but you must be looking for it. And so back to the story of this, of this family, I had given her some money, I think just, I think just once, I don't think it was twice, um, I also didn't want to make her uncomfortable, right? But I wanted to just give as I felt led by the Lord. So then later, um, I came across, I think we made it back home and the church became like a, um, like a, a resource place. People brought lots and lots and lots of donations. Red Cross brought in donations and Austin Disaster Relief brought a ton of donations. And so my husband oversaw the donations and giving it all out. And so we were told, Hey, you guys lost everything. Come in and take what you need. Just take anything that you need. And so I was able to get plenty for our family. And so then what I did is I then took from what we had gathered, I took a box and I filled it with some things that I thought that this other family might appreciate. I think I maybe gave her two boxes of groceries so I took it to her at her hotel. I said, hey, I have something for you. Took it to her and gave her two boxes of groceries. Um, because I just was like, you know, it's going to be something she doesn't have to spend money on. And it was a blessing to them. Okay. And then a little while later, at that time, they were doing all these sales and clearances at the mall. And I came across a kid's clothing store um, that was clearancing out everything for super duper cheap. Super cheap. And it was a great store. Like, typically a more, more expensive brand for kids clothes. And, um, and so while I was there buying fall and winter clothes for my kids, because of course they had lost everything. Um, I felt prompted to get some clothes for her kids. And so I think I spent like, I don't know, maybe $40 or something, not a lot. And it was about $200 worth of clothes. And so I was excited. I was able to buy her kids, maybe a jacket, some sweaters, some pants, some t-shirts. Um, and, and I went and I brought them to her. And what I didn't know, she told me is that that morning it had gotten chilly and her son was like, mom, I'm cold. When, when are you going to get me a jacket? I'm cold. And she goes, don't worry, buddy. I'll take care of it. I'll get you one soon. And she was kind of, you know, feeling the pressure of needing to figure it out. And that was the same day I brought these clothes for them and I brought jackets and sweaters and whatever. So even in that moment, the Lord was using me to meet a need in her life. And so it was just, oh, it was just so beautiful. It was just beautiful how the Lord did it. And it was just beautiful how it panned out. So that third principle is in your heart, when you maintain and look for a way to be 
a resource and to be generous no matter how much lack you're experiencing. There is somewhere, somehow, that God has given you something that you can be generous with. Even that widow, she, all she had was her last meal. But she gave some to the prophet first, and then they ate, and they never ran out of food. And so your generosity will shift your mentality out of suffering, out of survival, out of desperate, out of panic, out of fear, and it will shift you into sonship. I am in covenant with a God who's abundantly able to take care of me. You're giving him seed to bless you with. And so generosity is something that's not just good to do, it's important for how it protects your heart and how it also re will refresh your soul because you're refreshing others, okay? So that's the third principle. Okay, let's see, how long is this thing going? 38 minutes. Hmm. I'm gonna share this, nope, I'm not. I'm gonna save the last two for another episode because I don't want to overwhelm y'all. Um, and I really want to be able to give them their due. And I don't want to make this episode too long. So just a reflection, okay? Again, picture your stick figure guy. He's got shoes. He's got his hands. He's got a heart. He's got a mouth. And he's got eyes. I think eyes. Yes, eyes. So the shoes is community. Walk with other believers. When you're in hardship or you know someone who's in hardship, walk with believers. They will keep your soul encouraged, build you up in your faith, and help you. They help stabilize you in those shaking times, right? Community will help stabilize you. Pick your friends wisely, though. Don't surround yourself with people who are going to let you wallow in misery. Those are not the friends you want to surround yourself with right now. Surround yourself with faith-filled, encouraging believers who are going to offer strength to you, okay? So walk with believers in community. Secondly is the hands. Let people share with you. Let people help you, okay? Remember, break down what you may need in three categories, the low dollar, the maybe mid-range, and then the more high dollar items. And if people ask, how can I help you? Pull something from each of those lists and let them choose whatever fits their budget. Or you could say, hey, gift cards are great or whatever your need is. I'm kind of going off of my hurricane example, but whatever your need is, pull a few options if people ask. Because remember, they're not just helping you. They're also helping themselves because those who bless others are then blessed. Those who refresh others are refreshed. They're helping also soothe and alleviate secondhand trauma that they may be experiencing on your behalf. You're helping to alleviate the stress of them wanting because of compassion and empathy. They want to help you. Okay, so that was the second one. And then the third one was the heart. What will protect your heart is maintaining a posture of generosity and realizing you can still be a resource of blessing in this time. No matter how much lack you're experiencing, even if it means you just share a cup of cold water with the guy who's doing your lawn outside. Even, you know what I mean? Like anything, look, but look for, ask God, God, how can I be a blessing? How can I still be a resource? Because I refuse to just be a place of need. I refuse to be. I am the head and not the tail. So how can I operate as a generous source for people in this time? 
and God will create little opportunities and all you got to do is obey and that blesses others it protects your heart and it gives the Lord tools like a seed to bless your life as well so those are the first three the next two um, are coming at you and listen the next two are important uh, especially the last one because the last one I'm going to share with you is the principle that God spoke to me when I asked him how can I protect my kids hearts from the trauma of losing everything and this is what God spoke to me and at the end of the year they looked back and they said Hurricane Harvey was their favorite time of that year God protected my kids hearts from trauma by sharing this principle with me. So I'm going to share this with you in the next episode. So you're not going to want to miss part two. In the meantime, share part one. Thank you guys for listening. I hope this is encouraging to you. And um, please let me know if you're listening on social media, throw it up in your stories on Instagram, tag me, I will reshare it. It's exciting to see other people listening and, and see their thoughts and stuff. I love seeing that stuff. So make sure you throw that up there and I will catch you guys next week for part two of the five practical life-saving crucial principles of what I learned from Hurricane Harvey and making it through those disasters. So I hope these are helpful for you guys. I love y'all. And um, next week, oh gosh, well, I'm going to record the second episode right now, but I will give you guys an update on how Hurricane Laura panned out, okay? So I'll keep you guys in the loop. Follow me on social media. That's the best way to stay in the loop. Follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen or on Facebook at Java with Jen podcast. But I really focus my energy on Instagram. So come follow me on Instagram. You can shoot me a message, comment on posts, leave questions, all that stuff. But that's where I stay in touch. Follow my stories on there, everything. So I'll see you guys on social. I'll keep you guys updated. Stay tuned for part two. Love you guys. Bye. Okay, so for a super fast life hack for you, um, I just discovered this new app. It is called Zello, Z-E-L-L-O, not to be confused with Zillow, which is the real estate app. No, this one is called Zello, and it is actually a walkie-talkie app so that if your cell phones lose connection via cell towers, somehow they're still able to communicate like a walkie-talkie. Remember those Nextel phones who were like, if you weren't using the cell phone signal and using data, you could use it as a walkie-talkie? Yeah, that's how this works, which is great for people who are going through natural disasters, whether it's the fires in California or it's the hurricanes on the Gulf Coast or earthquakes or whatever that might disrupt your cell phone signal. This is a great little app to get you through it. Now, if you set up an account, let your friends know, and that way everybody can be on there and you guys all can communicate with each other via walkie-talkies. This is like the walkie-talkies that we always wanted as a kid that do not have a two-mile radius limit, you know? It's super fun. I've already been playing with it with my friends. So (laughs) check it out, Zello, Z-E-L-L-O. And if you find yourself in a natural disaster zone, this might just be a great app to have in case you lose cell signal. So there you have it. That was the life hack for today. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will catch you next week with the last two crucial points of the episode, how to make it through these difficult, difficult times. Okay, I'll catch you guys later. Talk to you later. Bye. 
Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you've got this and God's got you.